is the day that we set aside, God, to worship you, to give you our, our first fruits, our offering. God, it's yours. Our entire life is yours. This is just a symbol and an extension of our worship and our gratitude to you. We love you, God. I pray that every heart that is here today would be wide open to hear the gospel. God, that every single person who may consider themselves far from you, God, that today that they would sense your spirit, your love, drawing them, inviting them in to your family. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Well, uh, I'm Pastor Jordan, and I'm excited that you are with us today. If you are a guest with us, a uh, special kind of invite today. Across the room here, across the hall, there's a yellow room, and we've got some gifts for you. And so it is like a timeshare. You'll need to stay about three and a half hours, and I will bore you. No, I'm just kidding. It's like 10 minutes. I just want to meet you. Uh, has anybody else done a timeshare? I don't know what's got into me. Too much coffee today. But has anybody else done a timeshare? Is anybody else like broke and you've done like 10 timeshares, you know? Anybody? I, I see that hand. All right. Um, yeah, those are great. Uh, it's not that. We just want to meet you and give you a gift and get, get, get a, uh, put the face with the name. So you can join me after service in the yellow room across the hall. Um, our sermon series this month is strategic design. So can everybody say those two words with me? Strategic design. Right, so the idea is that God knows what he's doing. He has always known what he's doing, and he knows what he will uh, be doing. And he is outside of time. And so the idea that God would send Jesus, it, it's part of his plan. And so what I want to do, even though it's Easter, I still want to recap a couple things. But before I do, before I recap, uh, I, I sometimes like to open with a funny story. And I was thinking about my sermon. I'm like, well, I always want the story to connect, right, to what God is saying. And the big idea today is that death is just a doorway. Death is just a doorway. So we're going we're gonna to get there later. But I was thinking, what's, what's, what funny story do I have about, about death? And I have had a couple Unique moments at funerals, being a pastor, but we won't uh, tell those. I will actually tell you about a time when I was driving past uh, the, the cemetery of uh, my wife's grandma. And my daughter, Sayla, was in the back seat. And how many of you guys come here regularly you know who Sayla is? She's already a ham. So she's like six years old. And I, I, I wasn't thinking when I said it, right? So, you know, as an adult, you say these things and there's like a lot of theology type, you know, attached to it, but child doesn't understand. And I said, oh, Grandma Birdie's buried over there. And she goes, hey, you said Grandma Birdie's in heaven. <laughs> and I'm like, well, <laughs> she is, but her body's over there. And then I'm like, she looked at me like a cocker spaniel looking at red lobster. Like, 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 she just went like this. And I was like, well, you know, I was like, how deep do I go? Like, the real her is in heaven, but her body's in the ground. And she's like, oh. I'm like, I'm a terrible father <laughs> and a terrible pastor because I cannot explain this right now. So that's my funny story to tell you about my dad fail. But also to let you know, death really is just a doorway. So everybody just take your hand right now and just shake it like this. You, that's just a corpse. That's right. You'll be buried in a cemetery one day. Turn to your neighbor and say, sorry, bad news. <laughs> That's all I got. That's my sermon. Uh, no. But really, the real you, though, the real you does go on to eternity. The real you does go on to eternity. So I know that's hard for a six-year-old, and honestly, uh, us adults, too, it's hard for us to grasp that. But that is reality. So 
a couple recap things here, the last, the last three weeks. God has all the power. While God has all the power, he came to serve, right? We talked about that last week. The crowd wanted him to save uh, them from Roman oppression, but we want saved from others, but Jesus wants to save us from ourselves. It's the sin in us that leads to death, right? So we said, why would God allow suffering? Towards the end of last week's sermon, we said, why would God allow that? When we suffer disappointment or grief, it teaches us, it gives us an opportunity to trust. Trust in the one who made us and loved us and saved us. Lastly, people want a crowd, but Jesus wants a crown. People want now. Jesus wants to crown you with eternity. Jesus wants forever. Forever. Can everybody say it with me? Forever. And he must be both Savior and Lord. So today, I've got four points uh, for you. And I, I've never had a sermon where all of the points uh, began with the word death. So it may sound a bit morbid, but I think it, it will come out of the morbid in a minute. But number one, here we go. Death is the result of the sin within all of us. Within all of us. Okay. The Bible says that because of Adam and Eve's sin, that we're all terminal, and that God's law and his ways are perfect, right? So what is sin? Sin then is missing the perfect mark, the perfect design of a perfect God. And if you ever talk to someone, as I have, that sometimes doesn't believe, though, that they're a sinner. So you're like, well, I'm a really good person, though. And you might be like maybe the rich young ruler who's come up to Jesus and said, well, I've done so many things right. Well, I have a question for you. I've, I've posed this question to many people. If I were to post your top five worst thoughts on the billboard on Route 11, how would you feel? One time the Lord gave me that in a counseling meeting. And he responded like you may be responding. Oh. Everybody just put your hand on your, on your heart, right? Oh, that would sting. What if, we, what if we said on a billboard on Route 11... The top five things that you've said that you really regret. Just raise your hand if you do not want that to happen. <laughs> right. What's my point? We all are sinners. We all have felt the pain of sin, the sting of regret. You can't deny its reality. And you can't deny that you're born into it, right? Especially as a parent. You don't have to teach your kids. They don't walk up to their sisters and say, share. They don't do that. Has anybody, is anybody else a parent, right? Thank you, right, exactly, thank you. It's not just mine that are crazy, right? All right, glory, thank you. They, they take, they demand, and it's not until Christ makes us born again. You see, the question that we all can't shake, whether you're religious or not, is what is wrong with the world? And maybe you don't think that every day, but... Every now and then you watch the news, you watch somebody invade another country, you watch, you see death, or you even maybe have seen uh, relatives maybe pass away from cancer, and you think, what is wrong with this world? The Bible tells us what's wrong with the world. It's the sin within us that causes us to crave power at the expense of others, to push others down, right, through force or through political gain, through manipulation or lying, we see it all around us. The bully at school, who as it turns out is bullied or beat up by his father, who likely learned it from someone else. 
right? The man who cheats on his wife just because he wants to, ignoring the years of pain that it would inevitably cause her. Why? Sin leads to death. And the fact is, the reality is, sin is within all of us. Sin is within all of us. So why did God send Jesus? Well, God sent Jesus to solve that problem. Amen? I want you to turn to John chapter 18. Let me set the scene for you. John 18. Jesus had just raised Lazarus from the dead. Now this man was in the tomb for three nights, and he was the brother of Mary and Martha, a good friend of Jesus. And Jesus grieved with Mary and Martha. I mentioned this last week, that he comforted them. In other words, he knows how you feel. He has true empathy for you. How is that possible? It's hard for us to, to wrap our minds around that, that God, that, that Jesus is fully God and fully man, but he is. He was fully man, fully God, 100% both. So though he has the power to raise Jesus from, or to raise Lazarus from the dead, he has empathy in the grief and the loss that Mary and Martha are feeling. And if you've been a Christian for a while, and you've been following Jesus for a while, you know what I'm talking about. Just nod with me if you have felt Jesus comfort you in your time of sadness. Absolutely. Now imagine days later, Jesus is standing before Pilate. Before we read, I just want to set the scene for you. Pilate is torn on the inside. He doesn't think Jesus is guilty uh, of anything, let alone something deserving death. But the religious elite have insisted that because Jesus claimed to be God, that it was therefore blasphemy and deserving of death. So Jesus is standing before Pilate, answering questions behind closed doors. But Jesus and the one who could sentence him to death, and Jesus says this, for this purpose, I was born. And for this purpose, I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate said, what is truth. Everybody say those three words with me. What is truth? A lot of people ask that. After he said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in this man. But you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the time of Passover. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. So do you want me to release to you this king of the Jews? And they cried out, no, give us Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a known robber, a criminal. And many people, by the way, still today, ask, what is truth? Is truth truly objective? Or can truth, like it is seen in today's world, be subjective to, to my experiences and my worldviews and what my parents taught me? What you have to understand is, Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Everything that is Jesus is truth. It's a perfect spot for an amen, right? Everything that is Jesus is truth. And when you see sin unravel people, you see moments like what we just read about. Guys, Lazarus, right, was raised from the dead and religious people tried to kill him again. Say, that's messed up. If dude gets raised from the dead and you try to kill him again, you're a little sick in the head. I'm just saying. Right? But the truth is that sin is there and it leads people to do things they regret. So what is truth? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he solves that problem of sin. 
He has a perfect place in heaven where there is no sin, where there is no revenge, where there is no cancer. Amen? There is no death. So who's this Barabbas character and why is he released? Well, you have to remember that this is a high holy day. This is Passover. So this is one of the Jewish um, customs. Passover is when the Jewish people celebrate God miraculously delivering them from slavery in Egypt. Over a thousand years earlier, God had instructed them to put the blood of a lamb over the door frame to prevent their children from dying. A death angel sent from God swept through all the homes and brought death. And Jewish people were saved by the blood of the lamb. Now the blood of the lamb that was over the door that caused death to go by them, that caused death to not affect them, that was a symbol of Jesus. Come on, everybody say Jesus. So now it's Passover, and they're celebrating this, that, that, that the death angel passed over their home. All right, now sometimes, I, I don't know about you, but I like to, when I read things like that in Scripture and I read about, uh, you know, these moments in Exodus where God rescues people, I like to close my eyes and imagine it. So imagine you are there and it's your family. And, and, and the leader of your people says something a little crazy. Hey, we're going to put lamb's blood over the door. You follow this crazy instruction and all of these other families lose their children, but your children are still alive. How many would you be grateful? You'd say, thank you, God, for this blood. So as it was now in, in this design, in God's design, because how many know it's not an accident? In God's design, there was this custom that a man, a guilty person, would be set Free, And this guy Barabbas, this known criminal, is set free. I love how one author put the idea of being blessed with grace. One of my favorite authors, Glenn Packian, he pointed out in his book called Lucky that the better translation of when Jesus is preaching on the Sermon on the Mount is not blessed. The better translation for us to understand it as English-speaking Americans is the word lucky, that there's nothing, nothing you could do to deserve the goodness of God. How many would say, I'm really blessed? So Barabbas is so blessed, so lucky, if you will, to be given freedom when he knew he deserved punishment. And the thing is, we are all Barabbas. We get to go free while Jesus goes to death. So number two, listen to this. Death for Jesus was part of God's strategic design to save you. Can I say it again? I, I want to be incredibly clear. Death for Jesus, you might say, but why? If he's a good teacher and he's a good man, he did nothing wrong, and if he really is the son of God, why would he have to die? Because death was, for Jesus, part of God's strategic plan. Because sin results in death. Sin must be paid for in death. Why? Because God is that holy. So we are Barabbas, and we are guilty, proven to be convicted, but we go free. And see, the longing of uh, and, and all of us, and maybe not this morning, maybe, maybe it's a month from now, maybe a year from now, one of the longings in your heart is that you would never have all of your sins named, like I said, on a billboard. That you could be absolved of all of your guilt. 
And I want to tell you that God can do that. God can absolutely forgive you and make you a brand new person. Guys, you heard everybody singing this morning about the grace of God. I, as, as your pastor, I know so many of your stories. I have seen God heal your marriages. Marriages on the brink of divorce and God heal it. I've seen people physically sick healed. I've seen cancer gone. I said cancer gone. Because Jesus can do anything. And most importantly, I've seen hurting hearts healed. There is power in this blood, in this salvation message of Jesus. So in John 19, 1 through 11, we see Pilate hands them over, or hands Jesus over to be flogged, to be beaten within an inch of his life. I watched The Passion again on, on Friday. I try to do that uh, every year. And there were so many places in watching that movie where I just couldn't watch. You know, I just could It's so, what Jesus endured for you it is remarkable. And you have to understand that we deserve that. We deserve that. So from then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, if you release this man, if you release Jesus, then you are rebelling against Caesar. So now Pilate is torn politically, right? So they took Jesus, they went out bearing his cross to the place called the Skull, there they crucified him and with two others on either side of Jesus between them. And Pilate also wrote an inscription, put it on, on the top of the cross saying, King of the Jews. King of the Jews. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments. All right? They took his garments and divided them into four parts. Now this is the third prophecy. In this one chapter, he fulfills five prophecies. And I'm going to give them to you in just a moment. So they divided my garments among them, David said. My clothing, for my clothing, they cast lots. And the soldiers did that. Why? It's part of God's strategic design. After this, verse 28, Jesus, knowing everything was finished, he said, I thirst. And they put a jar of sour wine. They dipped it in sour wine. And they put it on a sponge on a hyssop branch. And they gave it to him. Just like the high priest used to use a hyssop branch. God knows what he's doing. Amen? Jesus received that sour wine and he said, it is finished. What was finished? The price for your sin. The price for my sin. For my guilt. For everything I've done wrong and everything you've done wrong. And get this, even the things you will do wrong. Wow. Jesus, outside of time paid for all sin. Verse 31, since it was the day of preparation so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs would be broken so they could be taken away. So the soldiers came and they broke the legs of the first and then the next, but when they came to Jesus, they saw he was already dead to fulfill another prophecy that not one of his bones would be broken. Not one. And then to fulfill another prophecy, they pierced his side and water and blood flowed. Look at these five prophecies. They divided his garments. They offered him sour wine. Not one of his bones was broken. He was pierced. He was placed in a rich man's tomb. Next chapter, you see that. Jesus fulfilled God's strategic design. Why? Why would he go through that suffering for you? Because he loves you that much. He loves you that much. 
even though, like the book of Romans says, we're enemies of the cross. When we come to him and we repent and we admit that he did it for us, he makes all things new. So all of these prophecies from King David, from Old Testament prophets, from every one of these, they, they point to a Savior, a perfect God-man that would come, why? With one motivation, love. Can everybody say love? Because you might say, why would God do that? Why would God design pain? Why would God design all of these things? And then part of his design is that his own son would experience pain. It's for you. Turn to your neighbor and say, for you. But God being rich in mercy, the Bible says, because of the great love. Everybody say great love. Because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses. Guys, you and I, we were on death row. Okay? Dead in our trespasses. He made us alive together with Christ. That's what we were singing about earlier, right? By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him. And listen to this. Seated us in heavenly places where he's seated. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of your own doing. It's the gift of God. In other words, in other words you and I are just like Barabbas. Guilty. Verdict is in. Nothing you could do. And I know what some of you are thinking. Inevitably, there's at least one or two of you thinking, but Pastor Jordan, I was a Boy Scout. I was an Eagle Scout. I'm a good guy. Pastor Jordan, I am part of a local community, and I, I don't know, I repair the park. That's awesome. I love that you repair the park. You're still a wretched sinner. I'm sorry. Right? And we all are. We are Barabbas. We are a criminal. We are in need of rescue. I was thinking, God, how could I make this clear this week? And I was thinking about this rescue show I was watching with my daughters the other day. These two guys go to the top of this ridiculous cliff, all right? Ridiculous snow and ice-covered cliff. Now, they look brave, but honestly, they were just bozos. I mean, they went to the top of this thing, like, what are you doing? They get on their skis, and they're like, yeah, this is going to be awesome. They watched too much X Games, drank too much Red Bull. I don't know what they're thinking. And uh, they, they, they go off the cliff, right? And it's all going good until they hit a ledge they did not anticipate. Right? And they go flying 40 feet. And the problem is, when they hit, it was not fluffy snow like they saw in the movie Frozen, okay? It's ice. So the one dude, he, his whole face is just blundered. I mean, just he can't even see out of his one eye. He's only got one eye that's, that's working. Will, I see that hand. He just felt a witness. Will, Will's like, oh. Will's like, that's how it happened. I, too, am the bozo. He, I don't, he felt a witness on that part. I don't know why. He's just like. So his friend broke his femur. So they are hurting. 
Now, thank God they had that emergency kit, right? So they got this emergency kit. They, they call for help. And the guy being interviewed, because I love when they reenact this stuff, because they interview the, the real people, right? So they're interviewing the EMTs. And the guy said he's been doing this for 20 years, and he's never seen a rescue, you know, this precarious. They couldn't land the helicopter because it's between, like, these two cliffs. So they have to lower him. And as they lower him, he goes into a tailspin, and he's spinning thinking, I, what am, I'm risking my life for these guys, but he hits the ground. He comes to his senses, gathers his composure. He walks over to them, right? And he, he cuts their rope because they had, they had a rope tied to them um, for, for some, I think for their gear. So he cuts their rope and he takes them one out of time. The guy risked his life and he takes them up in the helicopter. There is nothing they did to deserve being saved. Let's be honest, they deserve probably being left there. Right? You go to, I'm not really feeling that. I'm just making a point. You guys are like, wow, this pastor's kind of sadistic. I'm not saying they deserve death. You should see my perspective. Some of you guys are like, ooh, this guy's a jerk. No, I'm not saying they actually deserve to die. I'm just saying they got themselves in that problem. Come on, don't look at me like that. You know you watch these shows and you're like, idiot. What do you... Does anybody else watch these shows? And you're like, why would you do that? You know? Like, you know, I told him to drop me off in the middle of a canyon. I thought, what could go wrong? <laughs> you could die. That's what could go wrong. The point is, they deserve, I'm saying they deserve, they, they were in a problem that they caused. And we all were in a problem that we caused. It's called sin. And Jesus risked his life, no, gave his life. So you could be rescued. Romans 7 says it like this. For we know the law is spiritual. But I am of the flesh and I'm sold under sin. So I do not understand my own actions. Has anybody ever done something and you don't know, what, what was I thinking? For I don't do what I want. The very thing I, I mean, imagine these guys on the side of that mountain. What were we thinking? I mean, I, it makes me actually wonder what they go like, this was your idea, Phil. You know, it's like, Right? But at some point, they're sitting there, femur broke, face smashed in, and they're thinking, this is my fault. I came to the top of this mountain, and I decided to go down. Look what Paul says. I don't do what I want to do. I agree with the law, for it is good. It is no longer I who do it, but it's sin within me. And you can't deny if you've lived long enough that there's something in you that causes you to do dumb things. Right? That's what sin, you know it's the wrong thing. And then the minute you have sinned, you feel what we call regret, remorse, right? For I have the desire to do what's right, but not the ability to carry it out. Guys, I have sat with couples in my office who, with tears, say, I don't know why I said that to her. I don't know why I said that to him. I guess I learned that from my mom and dad. I don't know why I, it's called sin. It's within all of us, and it's there until we repent of it and we let Jesus take it away. So Jesus dies on the cross. What happens next? Jesse mentioned this. Peter and John race to the tomb because why Mary Magdalene first found it empty. I love that. It's, it's always humorous to me when people don't believe in women in ministry because Mary found the tomb empty, and God chose Mary to deliver the son through but I have about 20 more, but that's okay. We'll keep going. 
John chapter 19, verse 15, listen to this. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? So he appears to her and she doesn't realize who he is yet because he's, he's now in kind of a normal body, if you will. Who is it that you're looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you know where he is, if you carried him away, tell me where you put him and I will take him. She wanted to care for him. Jesus said, Mary. And when she heard his voice, call her by name. It's the same sound when he looked at her and he said, Mary. In other words, I don't call you by your sin. I don't say prostitute, I say Mary. I don't say sinner, I say daughter. Come on. He, she knew that he knew her name. And at the sound of that voice, she says, Rabbi, right, teacher. Jesus said, don't cling to me. Now, by the way. Not like, don't cling to me, but look, I have not yet ascended to the Father. Think about that. So she realizes who she is. And if you knew all that you had been forgiven of, and Jesus is standing before you and calls you by name, you too would cling to him. And I want to ask you this morning to cling to him if you feel that weight of your sin, you feel that, that guilt that we talked about today, cling to Jesus. Jesus says, go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to the Father and your Father. I love that about Jesus. Pretty much every time Jesus teaches, he talks about a shared Father. It's my favorite attribute about Jesus. So Mary Magdalene went and he announced to the, she announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, that he said these things to her on the evening of the first day, the first day of the week. The doors behind them were locked. The disciples were afraid of the, of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you, which if you've heard me preach for any number of years, I think is hilarious. He busts through the locked doors, right, and just appears and says, peace be with you. It's like when I jump out and scare my children because one day I too will mature, but I have not done that yet. Any other dads out there? Come on. Yeah, thank you. I see that hand, Dennis. I'll see you at the altar. That would be shocking. I love this. They're praying, they're afraid, and they're praying about what to do. And Jesus is like, hey, guys, told you. Right? Now, you got to love Thomas. Thomas was not with them. I know Thomas gets a bad rap, but be honest, half of y'all, including me, are like Thomas at times. Okay? So Thomas heard about this occasion. He's not in the room. He heard that Jesus showed up to all of them, and he didn't believe it. Jesus came and stood among them too. He said, peace be with you. He said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Put your hand and place it in my side. Don't doubt me, but believe. Thomas said, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Do you hear that last part? Jesus comes to Thomas in the midst of all of his doubt. In the midst of all of his anger, right, disappointment. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever felt like maybe, maybe God let you down because God let such and such happen? Here's the truth. Jesus doesn't condemn us when we doubt and we're mad. He makes a special trip to see us. Come on, think about that. 
Jesus says, I see you're hurting, I see you're questioning, I'm coming to your house. That's a good God. That is a gracious, good God. So I get it if you're skeptical this morning. If you're invited by a friend or a family member and you're skeptical towards this whole idea of God and Jesus dying and then raising from the dead three days later. But I want to tell you, when Jesus said, blessed are those who believe and have not seen these hands and seen this side, he's talking about you. He's talking about you and the person sitting in the row next to you who has already believed. You too can be blessed for believing in Jesus. And I want to tell you, if you pray, I dare you, if you seek God, he will show up in your life. Anytime I have given anybody that dare, it might take three months, it might take six months, but at some point they experience God. Why? He promised, if you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you. Number three, death can't hold Jesus and death can't hold you. How many, how many were just singing about it a little bit ago? If you walked out of the grave, I'm walking out too. I love that song. Will, you rock that song. I don't know where you're at. But that song, man, you walked out of the grave, I'm walking too. Because Jesus rose from the dead. You have proof of his power. Now, what do you mean by proof? Because some of you are like, look, I'm just invited here by my aunt. My grandma made me come. Some of you are like, my wife made me come. You say, what do you mean proof? I want you to think about this. I love how Tim Timothy Keller talks about the logic of God. I'm going to say something ridiculous to make a point. Let's imagine an alligator runs through Kinsman Square. Now, Lord knows there's a swamp to the left, so come on, it could be possible, right? You drive over the bridge, right? Now, if you've heard that from one person, you might be like, dude, you know, you need to get off the NyQuil, right? Like, you need to, you need to lay off that orange bottle. But if a fifth person and then a sixth and then 20 people told you, yeah, last summer, June 20th, alligator ran across the square. Can't believe it. Big chompers, alligator ran right across. Right out of the swamp. Stopped in at that little dollar store, got himself Coke. Maybe not the last part. But if 20 people told you the same thing, and those 20 people all have different shared values and different backgrounds, you'd start to believe it. That's the argument of logic that Jesus, Scripture says, he showed up to over 500 people. How do you have all of these people from different backgrounds? Jesus shows up to them. Even the Apostle Paul says, and he also showed up to me. In a visitation, shows up. Jesus is that gracious. Jesus is that good. And yes, Jesus really did rise from the dead. Not the alligator part. Ignore that now. That was just an illustration. Jesus really did rise from the dead. And a myriad of people experienced it. How about the proof of life change? How many of you in here, all right, how many of you in here, raise your hand nice and high if Jesus has given you life and hope and a new lease on life? Absolutely. Look around you. You say, well, I'm a skeptic. Look around you. 300 and however many chairs they put up. Another 20 or 40 people. Look at, and this is millions of people. Millions of people have experienced the life change of God. One of the most powerful things I experienced on the road was doing worship when, when we'd be with uh, Teen Challenge guys. I've heard probably 100, maybe, maybe 150 testimonies of guys saying, I was addicted 
to meth. I was addicted to cocaine. I was addicted and God delivered me. And doctors said it's not possible. How do that many people have proof of God's power? Because it's real. Jesus did, in fact, rise from the dead. 1 Corinthians says it like this. I deliver to you as a first importance what I also received from Christ, that Christ did die for our sins in accordance with Scripture. He was buried and raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. But he appeared to Cephas, to the twelve. He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Most of who are still alive, some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to me, James, to all the apostles, last of all, to the one ultimately born, he appeared also to me. How can that many people tell a strange lie? Or is it the truth? Number four, death isn't the end. It's the doorway. Death is just a doorway. That's why as Christians, you can attend a funeral and yes, you can experience grief and loss, the person who's no longer with us, but you can ex also experience genuine hope. And if you've been in Rock of Grace for any number of years, you know what I'm talking about. You feel that hope. What hope do you have apart from Jesus? It's like the disciples say, where else can we go? You alone have the words of life. So Jesus makes us not only forgiven like Barabbas, but think about this. He makes us brothers and sisters sharing the same father. I love that. He adopted us in. I'll tell you something, not in my, in my sermon, but the other day Danielle got a good laugh because uh, she said, well, he, you know, Lucas, we're, we have this foster son, Lucas, and um, it was maybe like two months ago. And uh, she said, yeah, he, well, he's, you know, addicted to eggs. And I don't know who we were with. And I said, oh, yeah, I are addicted. Did I say addicted to eggs? <laughs> it's a terrible addiction. I couldn't stop. <laughs> Loading with cheese, I just can't stop myself. No, allergic, not addicted. <laughs> You're not going to see that at Alcohol Anonymous. <laughs> I, too, eat a dozen eggs a day. I can't stop myself. No. <laughs> Allergic. <laughs> you try to get up here and speaking, okay, for 40 minutes and not have a blunder, okay? Allergic to eggs. And I said, oh, yeah, I sneezed every time when I was a kid. It's, pa you know, passed down. <laughs> Danielle's. She looks at me, and it took like a good five seconds. I was like, oh, yeah, you didn't birth him. <laughs> so what I said makes no sense. Has anybody else just uh, said something you're like, can I just put it back, can I just reel it back in? Come on. What's my point? I already see him as my son. Come on. The father already sees, you say, oh, but you don't know where I came from. Oh, but you don't know about my upbringing. Jesus already forgot about it. Scripture says, as far as the east is from the west, oh, you don't know about my prior problems. Neither does God. He already forgot about it. You say, what do you mean you forgot about it? No, he, he literally forgets your sin. He acts like it never happened. He sets you completely free from the guilt of your past. Not just the guilt of your past, the punishment for your past. He wipes it away. Wipes it away. I want to ask you to stand up on your feet. I'm going to have Will come up. I want to tell you about Jesus' final moments. We're going to back up three days in our story. In Jesus' final moments on the cross, there are two criminals next to him. 
One on his right, one on his left, Scripture says. There's two criminals. They're both guilty. One mocks Jesus. One mocks Jesus. One says, if, if you really are the Messiah, save yourself. All right, and he's being sarcastic and he's mocking him. And then the other criminal, a known thief, one of the gospels says, he says, Jesus, today, take me to paradise with you. Let me go with you. And I don't know how this fits into your theology because Jesus didn't invite him then to Sunday school. So I don't know how this fits into your theology, but that Jesus didn't then say, well, you need to attend this class. He said, today you'll be with me in paradise. You know what that's called? That's called grace. That's God's unimaginable, unfathomable grace. That he would look at someone who's had a checkered past. We just talked about it on Wednesday, right? We took a good five to 10 minutes imagining being that thief. Imagining maybe he grew up without a great upbringing, maybe never quite enough food, and so he learned to steal. He got good at it, and maybe one day it was one theft too many, and he got caught. And he knows he's guilty, but he reaches out to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, remember me. And in a moment, one sentence, one moment of repentance, and Jesus says, today, you'll be with me in paradise. You're invited to. Come on, that's grace. That is unbelievable, amazing grace. Here's the reality. What's my point? Why do I tell you that? Because you and I are one of those criminals. You can be on this side of the, of the cross of Jesus and mock and say, you know, all those people and kinsmen singing and all those people, they're crazy. They drank the Kool-Aid. I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid. I have logic. I have, I'm smarter than that. Or, or you could be the thief on this side of Jesus and say, forgive me. Forgive me. I need you in my life. I have sin, I have regret, I have remorse. Jesus, would you please let me in to your kingdom? I want you to bow your heads right now. I wanna ask you, which criminal are you? Which one? Are you on the left side of Jesus saying, I don't need God? I'm good enough. Or are you on the other side of the cross saying, Jesus, I don't deserve grace, but I need it. I need you to forgive me. If that's you and you say, I need forgiven of my sin, I want God to be my father, just like you talked about. Can you raise your hand? Amazing, I see that hand, thank you. Yeah. Sir, thank you. Raise it nice and high so I can see it. I won't invite you up. We're going to pray with you right there. Yeah. Praise the Lord. I'll give you just another moment. There's three so far. This is the best, this is the most important decision you could make in life. David said it like this, life is a vapor. It's here and then gone. It's like a morning mist. It's like if you get up real early and you see the fog. 
And the minute the sun comes up, it's gone. Guys, that's how short life is. Life is here and then gone. But you know deep within you that the real you goes somewhere. The real you goes to heaven or to hell. And hell was not made for you. Heaven was made for you. Heaven. Jesus said, I have prepared a place for you. I've prepared a place for you. For those of you that raised your hand, I'm going to walk you through a prayer. And then we have some gifts. I want you to walk to uh, my left or my right. And I'm going to have some prayer team people grab those purple bags over there. We've got a gift for you. After we pray, I want you to go get that gift because then there's a Bible and some information so we can stay connected to you. If you raise your hand and you say, today's a new day. I am gonna admit my need for God. I wanna pray with you. And I'm actually gonna ask, because I just love to do this, if our whole church family could pray this together. Can we all pray this together? Say, dear Heavenly Father, I see how good you are, how gracious you are, and I see how wretched I am. God, if my sins were announced on a billboard, be found guilty. So forgive me. Make me new today. Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God who died in my place. Thank you for promising me heaven and eternity spent with you. No cancer, no revenge, no remorse just you. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, can we give God a shout of praise for three people who gave their heart to Jesus this morning? We're going to close with a song, and as we do, or after the song, I would like you to go, if, if my prayer team, Mick, yeah, if you guys could go to the side walls, there's three people that I, I know I don't recognize you, your guests with us today, that you received, you, ra you raised your hand, you said, I need saved, I need to know Jesus Christ. I want to invite you to grab one of these gift bags on your way. And as we worship, let's, let's go out with, with a praise today, with a shout of what Jesus has done. And again, if you're a guest with us, if it's your first time, I'd love to meet you uh, across the hall here after this song. Amen. Thanks. Let's sing this. I'll greet the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turn to heaven and spoke.
Shout this out, church. Are you ready? here she feels that there's still maybe people who haven't trusted in Jesus she wants to just share something briefly with you if you just close your eyes and just listen let God speak to you right now okay so uh, yesterday I was in my car and I turn on worship music and I like it's Easter weekend and usually I just try at any holiday that is like like Christmas I try and like okay this remember Jesus came as a baby not she it's not just a baby he came for Easter so that he could die for us. And so Easter, it's like, this is why he came. He came so that he could die. And really, if you think about it, you, we always talk about our callings and stuff. And if you think about it, why would, like, I wouldn't want my calling. I was born just so that I could die, you know? And that's why Jesus came is to 
to cover all our sins. And now there's no, like when Jesus